It's time to accelerate. Hey, friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 631 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. I am honored to be joined on my show for the second time by my guest, Tom Hopkins. Tom is one of the legends of the sales profession. I consider him, as well as many people do, one of the legends of the sales profession. Uh, his first book, Mastering the Art of Selling, is a classic that I recommend everybody read. Certainly, was, I remember is the first real book on sales that I had read very early in my career. And I find it interesting when I talk with Tom about what sellers can do to improve their sales, to improve their sales outcomes. But the discussion always comes back to the basics, right? Connecting and engaging at a human level, you know, adding the personal touch to your follow-up, how to add your personal touch to keep your network of contacts current and activated, demonstrating character. We so rarely talk about the importance of character in sales, but it is when you have that first interaction with a the prospect, they are assessing your character. It becomes so important. Exceeding expectations with your customers, with your service orientation, all these things. They go on and on, but we'll touch on all that when I talk with Tom. So stick around for that. If you'd like to see the show notes for this episode, go to andypaul.com forward slash 631. As always, we provide a breakdown of this and all conversations on Accelerate. Now, before I jump into my conversation with Tom, let me say that I often hear from listeners that are looking for a new sales challenge, you know, a new step in their career. And my advice to them is that you know, one of the most important elements to consider, especially for your future success, is to align yourself with the right company. And I've had guests on the show that have talked about finding the, the category kings you know, to sell, one that, company that develops employees and has a portfolio of category-leading products that can compete with anyone in the market. Well, with its recent acquisition of Level 3, the new CenturyLink has become a world leader in providing cloud, security, real-time communications, hybrid IT, and managed services. So if you're a top sales producer and you're looking to challenge yourself to take your career to the next level, then visit CenturyLink.com forward slash accelerate and join their sales talent community and see if CenturyLink could be the right step for you and your career. All right, let's jump into it with Tom Hopkins. Tom Welcome back to Accelerate. Well, thank you, Andy. Good to be back with you and your wonderful listeners. Well, great. Well, yeah, pleasure to have you back. It's been, gosh, just about a year since we last spoke. Yes. Um, So a a standard opening question I ask my guest is, in your mind, what's, what's the single biggest challenge that's facing sales reps today? Well, I think it's the keeping themselves disciplined to do the things they really don't want to do, which I think is one of the keys to success. And I think that I found that I'd watch when I was a manager, I'd watch my salespeople who not not only mentally but physically kind of started letting down towards the end of the year, which, as you know, we are heading towards Thanksgiving right now. And what I found over the years is the salespeople who slowed their quality activities down at the end of the year took longer to get the momentum built back up for the next year. And so I'm going to, in our discussion, talk about some of the things I'd suggest folks do with their client base uh, during the month of November, December to be ready so January kicks off. Because uh, I think 2018, which is the year we're looking at, is going to be a really super year for the people and the companies that have 
accelerated their quality activities and are giving more service to their clients. Yeah, I think there's, you know, one of the things that, to the point you just brought up, is is there's this myth, I believe it's a myth, that our customers are busier toward the end of the year. It's harder to get hold of them. And I actually, I'm, I'm with you. I always found it was just the opposite. I always found that people actually traveled less, certainly between Thanksgiving and the end of the year. My, my customers did at least. I found that I had much better success uh, getting in touch with them, if it's you know, new prospects, moving the deals forward, really in that, that five, six-week space between Thanksgiving and the end of the year. Well, one suggestion I'd like to make is everybody sends Christmas cards, and I didn't. And the reason was there had they would get so many that it became almost non-meaningful. Mm-hmm. But, but what I did was I always sent a handwritten card for Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. And no one else did. So I was alone. And I was just a nice little card. You know, and I'd handwrite it, uh, Dear Jim, during this season of Thanksgiving, let me thank you and your company for being a valued client. I look forward to many years of giving you excellent service. And so have a wonderful holiday season. Now, that little card, Andy, took care of Thanksgiving and Christmas. But there again, I wasn't in the masses that just sent the Christmas message or Christmas cards. You can also do this on the Internet. And what I tried to do at the end of the year, starting about this time every year, is not only the Thanksgiving letter, but I would make a call to, if they were a business, a company, I would call when they I'm, I was sure they wouldn't be open. Like, say, I'd sit down at 10 o'clock at night. And I'd call all of these companies, knowing the decision maker I was working with, and I might just call and say, you know, hi, Andy, it's Tom Hopkins. It's 10 o'clock at night, but I wanted to call and have you get this message in the morning, which I'm sure you are. And I wanted to say, hey, thanks for a great year. Look forward to many more in the future. And all of us at our company wish you and your business and family a wonderful holiday season. So take care. I'll be in touch as we look forward to a great new year. And you'd be amazed. That took me so little time, but I didn't have to talk to them. I didn't have to spend a lot of time. And they get it in the morning. It's one more contact, one more keeping in touch. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, what's going to build your business for the next year. Yeah, very interesting. I like, <laughs> I like that. If call cards these days, you call people. You're you're half time. You're calling their cell phones, and they might have them on at ten o'clock at night. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that might be true. But, <laughs> but then just you know, same message. Same just message, right? You would give you a quick call, say thanks for a great year, and look forward to working with you and your firm for many years in the future. Yeah, I mean, I just believe that I've never seen a time in business that following up, keeping in touch, doing the little things that no one else does is so important that it is today. And that's why that's kind of been one of my key messages all this last month is follow up, keep in touch and let them know how much you appreciate them. And if you do that, they'll be loyal to you. And that's a challenge in our whole world of business that many companies aren't real loyal to a representative 
because if they can save a few pennies, they'll they'll call on someone else. Sure. So I always try to obligate them, obligate them, obligate them to want to continue to do business with my firm instead of any other one. Yeah, well, and I think what you're really talking about there too is is that given sort of proliferation of competition and so on, is that you know the the differences between you and everybody else are are going to be slight, right? So even if they might be tempted to go with somebody for just a few pennies. Yeah, you know, there's a cost to that. There's an effort involved with it. If it's if it's roughly the same, but hey, you know, Tom's been there. He's been servicing us in a way these other guys aren't. Uh, staying in touch, you know, building that relationship. Those become, in my mind, in my experience, always been those have been very critical tiebreakers. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and I was a follow up nut. Oh, I am too. I not only sent thank you notes, and one thing I do want to mention to your listeners is. Uh, if they are interested, many people don't know how to write uh, a really good quality thank you note. So I wrote 10 of them for all different situations, nice little letters to thank people. And if they're interested, Andy, they can go to my website, TomHopkins.com, and we have a free resource page where we've literally, they can get these thank you notes professionally edited and written uh, for nothing. So they may want to make that something they do so that next year they uh, they talk to someone on the telephone, send them a thank you note. They talk, meet someone in person out at the market shopping and you talk a little bit. If you can get their business card, send them a little note thanking them for the time we shared. And I was a thank you note nut. And I will say this, Andy, in our world today of lack of personal contact, and, and, and all the electronic transactions, I think the little thank you note will have more meaning today than it did back when I did it many years ago when I started in the real estate business. Yeah, well, I think that's I think that is absolutely going to be the case. Is, is that demonstrating that you actually are more human than other your competitors is going to become a competitive advantage. I mean, it already is, but it's become an even more distinct competitive advantage as we well, become more and more automated. Did, yeah, one thing I did too, Andy, is I, I broke my whole client base into three groups. I called them the A, the B, and the C group. Now, the A group might be, and I'm just going to throw some numbers out here, might be 10 businesses, 10 companies that not only – give you lots of business, but they're very quality. They're something you want to keep forever. Well, that A group, I might go out and get some nice Christmas gift, mm -hmm. not expensive, uh, but some gift that you'd send to your decision maker for Christmas. The B group might, again, get a, 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 a uh, uh, letter. Uh, the C group might just get an email uh, but I found that if by doing these little things, you you create this relationship feeling, which I think selling today is more long-term relationship building than it's just going in and trying to make a sale. Um, by the time my last year in real estate, I had a party every year for every one of my clients. And the last year we rented a hall and we had 600 people attend my party. 
And it, again, it was, you know, cost me money. Yes. But, you know, you're investing in your business and salespeople are a company in a way. Mm-hmm. And and you have to spend money to make money. That's, you know, reinvesting in yourself. And fortunately, still, almost every dime we spend is tax deductible, building your business as a uh, salesperson or a business uh, company. Yeah, well, and this, to your point is about the A, B, and C is is which is a great way to to look at it is is there are now also services um, that make it available to or make it easy to be able to send really personalized gifts to to clients that sure. don't have to be terribly expensive. There's a, a no, I, I think I been, about twenty bucks. Yeah, for the present, you know, I'd go into to to a, a specialty store. And try to get something, uh, maybe a night light of some type for their home, just something that whenever they see it, they, they subconsciously it was a gift from you, and this keeps them in, in gra- ingrained in your in their minds, and uh, they think of you when they think of your business, and that's what I tried to do. Yeah, well, some of the, I was going to say some of these these uh, services now that that. Uh, you can do do this uh, sort of electronic gifting and so on. I have some really clever personalized gifts. I mean, we had the uh, founder of one of those companies called Sendoso as a guest on the show, and and they've got uh, suppliers who can do things like you know you can send a cookie to someone that's the cookie. If you look at the shape of the cookie and the the icing on it, it it's basically it's a a photo of the person you're sending it to. Oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> they, See, we they, didn't have <laughs> they, t- they take their LinkedIn profile picture and they can make a cookie of it. And I thought, wow, that's that is very clever. But that's very personalized, right? Uh, oh, and some- that's what people want today. That's what we aren't seeing in the overall world today is that personalization that I care about you more than making money. Uh, we're here for the long term. We want to serve you and your your company for many years. And this I, this is I, why I think my last year in real estate, ninety six percent of all the homes I sold were to people that were referred to me by other happy people I found a home for. Mm-hmm. And that that doesn't happen unless you live by the words, keep in touch, follow up, and give more service than they expect. Right. Yeah, well, I, you brought up an interesting term with personalization. Today, you know, oftentimes when people in sales refer about personalizing something, they're talking about like, Doing a mail merge routine against a mail list and making sure they insert the the recipient's first name right in the mail. So that's that's personalization, and it's and that's not really right. I'm not the way you were talking about, which is really a key differentiator in sales is being able to build that personal human relationship that that, as you point out, is, is really lacking so many times today. Well, and as we've talked about the last year, if people like and trust you and want to listen to you because they know you're wanting to benefit them, that's how you build rapport. That's how you bring down their defense barriers. That's how you have them, in essence, want to do business with you, not once, but for many, many years. Yeah. Well, so let me delve into a different topic. I mean, you've sort of touched on this a little bit. I mean, you talked about having the discipline to do every day the things that that you don't really want to do in order to you know keep the ball rolling, build the relationships, make the connections, and so on, is, you know, if you were to break that down, I mean, what's more important there? Is it, is it the mindset or the skills? Or is it 
you need to have the mindset in order, mindset in order to develop the skills. I mean, I, to me, I tend to look at skills as really habits, right? As you have to develop the habits and then practice them religiously and they become skills. Definitely. Um, you know, for example, I, I, I developed a few habits and one of them was uh, the last five minutes before I would go to bed and sleep. I would take a, my, uh, my, now you would use your computer, but back then my planning device, and I would go through mentally the whole day I just spent, and I would relive those commitments I'd made, and I would write down the six most important things I must do in order of priority the next day. Now, not only did I sleep better, because I had got it out of my mind, mm-hmm. but I woke up better prepared, and that one little habit of every night, the six most important things in order of priority I must do the next day, and you'll be amazed how much more productive your day will be. So, yeah, well, absolutely. I think, and you said from really two dimensions, one is, A, you got a better night's sleep, which is going to help you be more productive, and as you said, you woke up and you're you're prepared. So, recently I've been reading a lot about uh, happiness and productivity, and there's been some books written about it, and I'm just curious, I mean, based on your experience, of is what do you see as the connection between happiness and being productive in sales? Well, you know, I've had, I've had people on interviews like this where we have call-ins, and one of the biggest questions I, I get is, Tom, I'm thinking of going into sales, where can I make the most money? And I always tell them this, don't look at the income, find something that you love to do. And I learned a, a word from a man named Wayne Gretzky, who mm-hmm. of course changed the, the game of hockey, right. the sport of hockey in the world. And I played golf with him one day. And I, of course, when I get people like that alone, I always try to pick their brains. I said, uh, you know, Wayne, you were uh, number 99. You had the term. They were calling you the great one. Right, right. What, what do you think the reason was? And he said this to me. He said, Tom, I had a burning passion for all aspects of hockey. I had a passion, of course, for winning, but I had a passion for even losing. I had a passion when I skated on the ice that I knew those other players were after me. And that's when I really heard this word passion over and over again. And and I really believe the happiest people in life are doing what they're passionate about. I have never really worked other than the one year I was in construction, which was terrible physical labor. But since I got into sales, uh, I have never worked because I have such a passion for our, my real estate business. Now I have a passion for doing seminars, a passion for traveling the world on uh, to, to talk to people in the field of sales. So I, I'm going to, to your listeners, if you're thinking of making a change, interview companies that you feel you'd have a passion for what they do. And that passion will make you one of the best and thus a great income as well. Yeah, I was talking to somebody, uh, interviewing a guest on the on the show before and a while ago about, about this sort of related topic. And he was giving advice to people that if, if you're in sales and, again, you're looking to 
to find a place that you can really be passionate about. As he talked about the importance of finding the companies that are winners in their own segment and making sure you you try to get to work for them. I mean, in your experience, I mean, so what have you seen as sort of the, that tie? Because, you know, obviously not everybody's working for a company that's number one in its market segment, but but you know how how do you maintain that passion if if you know the company maybe isn't similarly experiencing success well i've always tried to also teach andy that uh if you're not real happy with what you're doing you know have enough money put aside to where you can afford to take a risk afford to change uh i've had people say tom what would i do to get into sales well i'd say save up enough money so that you can pay your bills and live for at least six months. Because in any type of selling, there is usually a gearing up time to build the momentum, to get the client base built. And so that's my first word of advice. Uh, Become a good steward with your money and put enough away to where you don't need to make money so that you can go in with a real relaxed attitude if you're ever gonna change vocations or careers or give up a salary and go into commission selling, which is scary, but it's also where I think the most money is possible uh, in to be made. Yeah, well, I think you talk about taking risk, and and certainly, you know, you know, one of the largest segments of our economy is becoming the tech and technology business, and yeah, there's a whole culture of working for startups. I've worked for seven or eight different startup companies myself in the tech area. Um, yeah, there's a risk. I mean, it could seem like a really exciting thing and you're extremely passionate about it, but you know, a small percentage of the companies ever ever make it. And that's part of the, the feature of the business, right? I mean, the investors sure. place down a well, lot of I've bets. Always, and, I've always believed there's a little saying, the greater the risk, the greater the reward, which is also in a lot of ways very, very true. Uh, I was scared to death when I got into real estate because as most people know, it's pure commission. But then once I was taught and learned how to present and close sales and handle objections, once I'd become a student of the art form of selling and learned and mastered these things, all of a sudden, man, it just became a blast. And my fifth year is the year that everything came together. I sold 365 homes in that year, averaging one a day, which back then had never been done. So Mm -hmm. that's when they started asking me to come and teach and speak. And all of a sudden my phone started ringing and I gave up selling real estate to become an author of my first book in 1979. And then of course, uh, from today, every week I'd get up on a plane and fly somewhere to do a seminar. So it's been a tremendously wonderful world for me. And of course, I love teaching salespeople. They're the foundation, I think. Selling is kind of the foundation of free enterprise and capitalism, which is what our whole society is built on. Mm-hmm. So it's, a, it's an honorable thing to do to sell, to create profits for a company. And again, find something you're passionate about and go sell the world. Well, I mean, so you're the one that threw the date out of 1979 for your first book, Mastering the Art of Selling, which yes. was the first sales book I read when I started my career. And <laughs> and I mentioned last time you were on the show. And so um, what's changed in sales over that time? I mean, what, what are the big things, one or two things you've seen that, that are most 
significant for sellers? I, I, think, I think the, the, the main change I have seen, Andy, is the consumer is so much more knowledgeable than the, they were in the past. They have access to so much information, you know, like the automobile dealership. Uh, many of the consumers walking in have spent more, almost more time getting ready to know what they want to invest in the vehicle than the salespeople. Sure. Uh, yeah, same man. in real estate with <laughs> Zillow and all these wonderful access you have for information. So I would say the biggest change in the field of sales and marketing is the knowledge level of the consumer. They spend time, they're educated more. And so I think in selling, you have to be better than we had to be in the past, which I think we, we need to be very, very good at our product knowledge, then our selling skills. And then, of course, keeping our attitude, handling the failure and rejection that can become part of a business. Uh, when you're trying to get someone money, you're going to get rejected at times and you just can't take it personally. You just have to go up to the next yes and shrug off the nose. Well, so one of the things that is a theme that sort of comes up repeatedly with the guests I talk to on the show is, is that – yeah, not only are your customers better educated, but one of the problems they see for salespeople these days is salespeople themselves are overwhelmed by information, right? That they, they too, you know, there's so much information out there about not just the products and services they're selling, but also about sales itself. And it's like, they don't know where to turn. And, and have you seen this? I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I'm thinking back, you know, back when you, you wrote your book, your first book, um, you know, basically there was you, Zig Ziglar, and Neil Rackham pretty much writing about sales at that point in time. Now there's yeah, hundreds and hundreds of people, you know, writing about sales uh, every day. It's like, yeah, how do how do people sort through, you know, to sort of say, okay, well, this is the one really worthwhile advice I should be following as opposed to everybody well, else. Well, one idea, one idea, Andy, is if a person is somewhat new. They can go either to the library or they can go to a bookstore, which there's still some very nice bookstores, and just ask the manager and then ask the manager what book on sales and marketing goes out the front door the most. Because that's one way if you have 20 books on a shelf and that they have records of which book is leaving the store being bought they can tell you that, hey, this book right here, we're selling more of it. Uh, I have one book called Selling for Dummies, where I took How to Mass the Art of Selling and wrote it for the Dummy Books Company. And that's in many bookstores, but that's one of my favorites because I really had fun with it. I took the art of selling and tried to make it a real fun game that a brand new person can say, hey, I grasp this, I get this. So that might be something they can look into. And, of course, if they do go to my website, uh, all of our books and CDs and DVDs are on there. And they might find something. It's a good time of the year to maybe get a Christmas gift for themselves. Or if I was a manager, I used to always give a book on self-improvement or something. I can't tell you the number of uh, uh, Zig Ziglar books I gave out over mm -hmm. the last many years, but that's a gift that's not only a, a nice thing to give, but if they can get get a gift that helps them make a better living, be happier, more successful, that is a win for everybody. Yeah, gift of books is always good. So, I mean, do you have a newer 
sales author that that you you know like that you would give a book one of their books to somebody uh, you know, I really don't, and I'm sorry about that. I, I pretty much had Zig, uh, Art uh, Mortel uh, was one of my old favorites. And most many people don't know of him. Uh, of course, Dr. Norman Vincent Peale. Uh, win friends and influence people. You can never go wrong. Uh, think and grow rich. Napoleon Hill, Hill's sure. fabulous book. The I think you could go on Amazon and get. These many of these books, they're still available, but uh, on the attitudinal side, I would go with Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. On the selling skill side, I'd love them to look into, you know, one of my 19 books, which sure. are focused primarily on the art of selling. But uh, yeah, so, so but I, I really believe this is the, the time in the year to increase our knowledge level, to become students of the art form of is golfers in the world hit more golf balls than average golfers, yet they're the best. And yeah. that's because they realize that repetition is, in a way, the mother of learning, and perfect practice will help you be a perfect player. And that's what great salespeople do. Yeah. No, absolutely. Repetition. Repetition, repetition. That's why, you know, it's hard, I think, for for people new into sales these days that – don't have the same sort of training that used to exist back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, where you know big companies really trained the heck out of their new salespeople, put them out in the field, made them make, as I did, you know, make <laughs> lots of calls every day, you know, knocking on <laughs> doors, and and uh, there's no substitute for for doing that. Uh, so last last question for you then, really, Thomas is: so what do you see? coming down the road in terms of the future of selling. I mean, there's a lot of increased automation, artificial intelligence, all these things coming into sales. All right, Tom, I just have sort of one last question for you. And that is, all right, let's turn our, our gaze forward. I mean, you've, gosh, I mean, you wrote your first book, like I said, in 79. So, you know, you've been teaching people how to sell for 40 years. Looking forward, what, what do you see is, is going to happen? What are the big changes that salespeople have to prepare themselves for, in your opinion, over the next three to five years? As I mentioned, uh, I really believe that we have to be smarter and sharper and more talented and skillful than we had to be in the past because this consumer has access to such tremendous amount of information that they can become as informed as any salesperson or business owner. So I think you know, the knowledge level is important. Uh, I, I think mastering the seven fundamentals of selling, uh, from prospecting to closing the sale and getting referrals, these are the things that people have to really, I think, focus on uh, because of the, the consumer increase. I mean, I'm sorry. You're really talking about the basics. I mean, which, which I think is, I mean, I, I would agree with you. Is I think that, that yeah, you not only need to become more educated and about your product and how your product can serve serve your buyer, but it's like doubling down on the basics. You said the seven basic disciplines. Um, those, I think, will set you apart, continue to set you apart going forward. Oh, I definitely agree. I think uh, the, the the people that say, I'm going to master fundamentals, uh, because it's like the game of golf. The, the golf swing of uh, Bobby Jones in the 40s and 50s is no different than the fundamental golf swing of Tiger Woods uh, or Phil Mickelson. The equipment is better. The strength of the golfer golfer is better. But the fundamentals of the, the 14 reflex movements of a golf swing those will never change 
And that's the same in selling and marketing. The fundamentals won't change. We just have to adapt them to the culture and the times that we're living in. That could explain why I'm lousy at golf. I didn't realize there were 14 basic, <laughs> basic moves in the golf swing. <laughs> hey, believe me, I'm not any good either, but I sure love the game. <laughs> All right. Well, Tom, thank you very much for, for joining me again on the show. And just before we leave, tell people how they can uh, get in touch with you. Oh, that's nice. Um, if they go to TomHopkins.com, uh, I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona, and, and they can see our website, and we have a free resource page, and they also can check on what we're doing. Maybe they come see me someday. I'd love that. But uh, you take care, my friend, and have a wonderful holiday season, and let's do it again next year. Likewise, Tom. Yeah, have a great holiday season. Everybody listening, uh, hopefully you had a holiday season. I think this is going to come out after the start of the year, but uh, hopefully everybody had a great, great New Year's and great holidays. And, Tom, we'll talk soon. All right. All the best, my friend. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you.